It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. I got a knock on my apartment door. Looking through the peephole, I see two cops on the other side. I opened the door, confused, and told them they could come in. I never thought to lock the door because, really, I figured it's in the middle of the woods, so there was nothing to worry about. I was wrong. I had left the bathroom door slightly open, enough so I could see a man in my shower turning his back to me. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Thanks to Thrive Market for supporting Disturbed. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Join today at thrivemarket.com disturbed to get 40% off your first order and a free gift. Welcome back in everyone and thanks for joining me. This week, I'm bringing you four true horrifying tales that will keep you on your toes. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show with an email submission from Trevor, featuring voice work by Matt Bradford. And we just can't explain who it was. My incident happened almost exactly two years ago when I was 21 years old. I work second shift, 3 p.m. until midnight. Uh, That'll be important later. See, there's a gas station near my apartment that I would go to at least three to four days a week after work for hot food, and it was the only gas station around me that was open at that time. I'm on a first-name basis with the overnight workers because they're around my age, and we always make small talk when I go in. One morning in early January, my intercom rang in my apartment. Thinking it was the usual delivery guy or mailman, I buzzed them into our building without hesitation, thinking they might leave the package inside the building. Then, I got a knock on my apartment door. Looking through the peephole, I see two cops on the other side. I opened the door, confused, and told them they could come in. One officer said, We're here about the events that happened at the gas station last night around 10pm, describing the gas station I go to on my way home from work. We're here to ask you if you can identify the suspect. I assume someone stole something, and I see a lot of the regulars that go in frequently, so I figured I could at least be some help to them. Now, he continued, Eric, one of the cashiers I frequently see working, identified you in one of our pictures from the security camera. 
I'm guessing Eric remembered my last name from the amount of times I've gotten carted there, and they have to scan your ID every time due to the company policy. Well, the cops pulled out a picture from the security cameras. Not great quality, but I could see myself, Eric, and another guy pretty clearly. One of the cops then asked me if I could identify the other guy in the picture who was robbing the gas station. I was confused. I didn't remember anyone robbing the gas station, and I've never seen the guy in the photo. Then it hit me. I was working last night at 10pm. I hadn't even gone to the gas station in a couple of days. I just sat there trying to make sense out of what the cops were saying. I took a closer look at the picture and recognized the black jacket I was wearing. I had just gotten it a couple weeks prior for Christmas. Then I saw my shoes, my black and white Jordans. I did have those shoes, but I got rid of them a couple months prior after ruining them at a bonfire. I was speechless. Nothing about this situation made sense to me. I wanted to ask questions, but I didn't want to look suspicious pretending like I wasn't there because it was clearly me in the photo. I told them I didn't recognize the individual in the photo, but asked if I could get a copy of it. They said no due to it being evidence, gave me a number to call in case I remembered anything. I know I was at work that night until midnight, and I know I had gotten rid of those shoes months ago and just got my jacket. But I also knew that was clearly me. I've been googling the parallel universe and different multiverse theories to try to make sense of the situation, but I'm not able to. I've avoided going to that gas station in fear of Eric bringing it up and me not knowing what to say. I haven't told many people about this experience due to how outlandish it sounds, but hearing others talk about their doppelganger experience on this podcast has made me want to share mine. Hey, I absolutely am in love with this podcast. I listen on Spotify and oh my gosh, it's really helped me get through a lot. I'm, I'm a big fan of horror. My girlfriend has been going through a lot lately and we're not allowed to speak to each other. And just listening to you guys at night, just it really helps me. <laughs> Sometimes I actually fall asleep to it and then I, I'm actually in the story and it comes alive and it, it comes alive in a way that I really can't describe. So I just really want to thank you for all that you do. And I want to thank you for, for letting us know that we need to be safe. And I hope you guys continue to do this forever and ever. Amen. Anyway, I'll catch you later. Next up is our title story coming to us from Reddit user Hales1721. Featuring voice work by Melissa Medina. And we try to escape the creature in the night. So I've posted this in the Wendigo community I'm in, but I also wanted to share this here to see if anyone else has any intel that can help me since the other community seems to be pretty quiet. I realize how unbelievable this story might be, but I assure you it's entirely true. I've had countless experiences with the supernatural since I was four. I'm 33 now, but this is one of the most terrifying ones I've had. I've looked at some of the stories in this community to see if there's anything I haven't discovered yet. I thought that if I shared my encounter here, there might be someone who has some information that could help. 
I'm looking for legitimate information. My questions are at the end of this. Thanks in advance. I had an experience with a Wendigo this fall in early October in northern Minnesota in a state forest very close to, if not on, a reservation. I've always heard that speaking of them can draw them near to you, but I hadn't thought of or listened to any Wendigo stories any time close to my encounter. I was staying with some very dear friends, I'll call them M and C, and they have a camper in their yard by the lake for guests to sleep in. I had walked down to the camper from the house with my miniature dachshund ebony around midnight and found that I needed to set some things up, primarily the heater. By the time I was done getting everything in order, it was approximately 1.30. I never thought to lock the door because really I figured it's in the middle of the woods so there was nothing to worry about. I was wrong. I had closed the curtains, thank God, and I was having trouble falling asleep because my anxiety was going mad. M and C's dogs were barking outside and their geese wouldn't stop honking. Ebony, who usually sleeps under the covers, was sitting on my hip while I laid on my side and I could feel her turning her head back and forth like she was trying to track something outside. I tried tucking her under the blankets to calm her down, but she kept returning to her perch on my hip. I have no idea how long I laid there. I would say at least 40 minutes when all of a sudden I heard M's voice outside the camper. Anybody in there? Hmm. And what sounded like claws dragged down the side of the camper. I almost called back to her when I realized, number one, she and C were both fast asleep by now, and number two, M knew I was in there. She wouldn't ask if anybody was. Suddenly, I noticed everything had gone absolutely silent outside. The dogs and the birds had stopped carrying on. The gusts of wind had even stopped. It was the kind of silence you hear about in horror stories. How the woods go mute when something evil is in the area. Then another thought hit me. Ebony would be losing her shit and barking at the door if that had been anything human. She was frozen on my hip, dead quiet, shaking. I didn't dare to move, but I was really starting to have to pee, and I remembered that I hadn't locked the door. I have no idea how long I laid there debating whether I should get up and use the bathroom and lock the door, but it felt like an eternity. In reality, I guessed it was maybe 10-15 minutes. I thought it may have been a skinwalker at first, but remembered they don't mimic the voices of your loved ones to lure you into the woods. Wendigo do. I knew these creatures, demons, whatever they are, can lure humans out of their abodes if they make eye contact with you, and everything in me was screaming to make sure I didn't look outside. I made doubly sure I didn't look through any cracks in the curtains as I walked softly to the front of my camper and very slowly turned the lock, praying and holding my breath. I made sure to keep my eyes away from the windows as I crawled back in bed and pulled Ebony close, and she finally stayed under the blankets. I snuck a peek at my phone for the first time before I laid down, figuring it had to be close to 3 a.m., the witching hour. It was about 2.30. As soon as I laid down, the wind kicked back up and MNC's basset hounds erupted into howls 
as they came running down to the camper and a little ways into the trees, and the geese started their noise again. I heard the Bassets come back to the camper, barking a few more times before they laid down outside the door to protect me. I didn't get out of bed again that night. I told Em and see what had happened the next morning. I think I was hoping Em would say she had come down to check on me and Ebony, but she confirmed what I already knew. They had gone to bed as soon as I had left the house. I said a prayer over their house, the camper, and all of us the following night, and had an uneventful night, thank God. I also spoke with another guy who's familiar with the supernatural to see if he knew any more about Wendigo. I'm not sure how accurate the information he gave me was, or if it's reliable at all, but when I asked him why Ebony hadn't made a peep, I had assumed it was because she was absolutely petrified. He said a Wendigo can control animals to keep them from alerting their owners about its presence. He also told me, number one, they can't enter houses that aren't made of wood directly from the forest they're hunting in, tents and campers included, because they consist of man-made materials. Two, a lock is useless. They can unlock and open a door so they can try to lure you outside. And three, they typically stay in the woods, but they will come into a smaller town and never into a city. I had never heard of any of what he told me before, so again, I can't speak for accuracy, but I also haven't researched the claims either. He also advised me never to go outside to pee at night if I ever go camping, and to bring a bucket or something to use, and to make sure that I always close tent flaps and curtains before falling asleep. He said if the flaps are open so you can see outside, the Wendigo can make eye contact with you and draw you out. After leaving MNC's to go to my father's house for a few days, I had the distinct feeling of being watched when I took Ebony outside after dark. My father lives three hours away from MNC, but his house is in the country. I told myself it was only the fear from the experience and what I know about the Wendigo triggering an overactive imagination. I never heard anything, and I watched Ebony's behavior very closely, and she didn't act like she had in the camper. I'm moving back to that area from Canada, and this experience has been weighing heavily on my mind. I've been trying to find any information about warding them off or if they have a home hunting range like cougars do or if they move on from a region. My prayers did work the second night, so I figure I can pray over the property. I also have holy water that I can use since the Wendigo is an evil spirit that possesses people or physically manifests. Frustratingly, a majority of what comes up in searches is utter garbage like Wikipedia. Does anyone know if a Wendigo stays in one area? Are my concerns about it coming back when I get moved into my cabin warranted, or am I worrying excessively? Do you have any tips for warding them off? Thanks again for any information you can offer. Do you have your own terrifying encounter? Did something unexplained happen to you? Let us know and get featured on the podcast. Email mystory@disturbedpodcast.com.
Disturbed is brought to you by Thrive Market, and I gotta say, one of my favorite new places to shop online for all sorts of essentials. They carry all of your favorite clean brands that don't clean out your wallet. And you can find everything from ethically sourced pantry essentials to sustainable meat and seafood to non-toxic cleaning and beauty products. They really have it all. Thrive Market is on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. And as you probably know, healthy, clean products are not so easy to come by and certainly not particularly friendly to your wallet. Each and every item is vetted by Thrive's high standards so you get the highest quality products at the best price. And how about this? When you become a member, Thrive Market donates a membership to a family in need. How cool is that? Now the order I just placed the other day had a ton of goodies. We're talking honey graham crackers, salted caramel brownie thins, cheddar cheese crisps, and tons more. I ended up saving about 15% over heading out to my local grocery store. And if I can save some money and not leave the house, that's a huge win in my book. And it's just super convenient. Sometimes I just don't want to head out and shop around in a store. So Thrive Market has become an absolute go-to for me. Disturbed has partnered up with Thrive Market to get Disturbed listeners an awesome deal. Here's the scoop. To get 40% off your first order and a free gift, join today at thrivemarket.com disturbed. That's 40% off your first order and a free gift when you join today at thrivemarket.com disturbed. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing Podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects. Now back to the deliciously frightful. Disturbed Podcast with your host, Chad. Up next, we hear from Reddit user AlmaLazone, featuring voice work by Tanya Eby. And we have an unexpected visitor. Okay, this happened in 2016 when I was a 17-year-old first-year college student in film school. I'm now 22, female, name is Julia. I lived alone in my first ever apartment. It was really small, but I was really proud of my independence. I never felt unsafe in this apartment for several reasons. There were multiple gates in the residence that needed to be opened through a code only the people who lived there knew. My door had three different locks, 
and it was right next to the university, so most people who lived in the neighborhood were college students. Nothing bad had ever happened in the neighborhood before. I've always been very careful with locking the door when I leave my home. I always check twice. I have slight OCD. So this one time, I leave to go to class and lock my door, but for some reason, I couldn't get the key out of the lock. It was completely stuck. So I went to get the caretaker of the building to help me, but he wasn't there and I was getting late for class, so I went to class with the key still in the lock. I took off the keychain first, so it's not too noticeable. When I got home, the caretaker was back, so he came to help me and we couldn't get it out for 15 minutes until somehow he did. He told me the lock was damaged, but that I didn't necessarily need to change it if I only locked it once instead of twice. I just said, okay, and that was the end of it. I really wasn't worried because of how safe I felt in this building. Flash forward to two months later. I was taking out the trash one night around 11 p.m. while on the phone with my sister. I remember telling her that I was taking out the trash, then that I would take a shower afterwards before heading to a party. As I previously said, I always lock the door, even just to take out the trash. Because of my lock being damaged, I only locked it once. When I got back to my apartment, I found the door unlocked, which immediately alarmed me. So I went into the apartment and locked the door immediately with three different types of locks. When you walk into my apartment, which is just 215 square feet, you have the main room in front of you and the bathroom door immediately to your left. I had left the bathroom door slightly open, enough so I could see a man in my shower turning his back to me. Naturally, when I saw this, I tried to open the door and leave as fast as possible, except my main lock was damaged from two months earlier and I couldn't open it no matter how hard I tried. In this moment, all I could think of was the fact that I had to leave as fast as possible. I jumped out the window without really thinking. I figured it was the only solution, except I lived on the second floor, so I completely smashed my ankles in the landing. I started running in whichever way I could, and when I got a little bit further from the building, I looked back and a man was there, at my window, watching me run away. I thought of two possible outcomes. Either the man was going to jump and chase me, except I wouldn't get far with my twisted ankles, or he would get scared of the height and be locked in my apartment. Thankfully, he picked option two. I went to hide in a bush a little further and called the police, who arrived in just 10 minutes because I lived close to the station. They pushed my door open, and the man was there, just sitting on my couch, holding a kitchen knife, waiting for me to come back, like he didn't think I would call the police. They arrested the guy, and later told me he had already been arrested for sexual assault, rape, attempted kidnapping, and attempted murder. They also told me how everything had happened. Like I said, it was a very friendly neighborhood with mostly college students, so he got inside the building by other people holding the door for him. He then heard me telling my sister I was going to take a shower, which was why he was waiting in the bathroom for me. He crocheted my lock while I was taking out the trash. He apparently noticed me on school campus and followed me to my home several times before succeeding to actually come in. He stayed inside waiting for me because I had recently changed my phone and the previous one was still on the table so he thought I didn't have a phone with me to call the police. I don't live there anymore, but after that, to get into the building, we all needed identification proving we lived there. Building IDs were created, and we had to scan them every time, and it was the only way to go inside the building. Nothing bad happened in the neighborhood after that. It's back to being very peaceful and friendly.
Are you terrified yet? You will be. And finally, we have an email submission from D, featuring voice work by Rhiannon Mauschel. And we star in our own frightening action movie. So this happened about seven years ago. It was the summer before my junior year of college and I was heading home for the break. My boyfriend of two years had just broken up with me. And like any other normal person, I was heartbroken, but I wasn't going to let that stop me from enjoying my summer. I texted my best friend Lala and told her about what happened. And she suggested I come and visit her in New York where she was living at the time. She said it would be good for me to get out of the state and get lost in the freedom of being young and single. We talked about going out to all the local hot spots and getting our fill of the nightlife there. You know, normal college girl stuff. So I said, what the hell, why not? I purchased a plane ticket, packed my clothes and essentials into my large hiking bag and headed straight to the airport. My friend had told me before I boarded that her boss needed her to work an early shift, but she would be off an hour after I landed. That's when she told me I'd have to take the subway, then hail a cab to the apartment. I had taken the subway before, so this didn't bother me one bit. All I cared about was forgetting about that jerk of an ex and having some time with my best friend. The flight was boring and uneventful, except for some of the movies the plane played, like John Wick and James Bond. I'm an action movie junkie, so this was a treat for me, especially when I got to watch the subway chase scenes. You know, the ones where the good guy is being chased in and out of the station and through the terminals. Watching those scenes never made me nervous about taking the subway. After all, they were just over-dramatized Hollywood movies to begin with. It's not like that could really happen in real life. By the time I landed, it was about 10 a.m. I shuffled off the plane and quickly moved to the baggage claim. I found my hiking bag and slung it over my shoulders, then proceeded to the nearest subway station, which was about a block away. As I walked, I texted my friend that I had landed, and she shot back a quick text with her address and a funny message saying, I can't wait to see you, so don't get abducted. I chuckled as I looked at my phone and continued walking. Typical la-la humor, I thought to myself. I went down the steps to the subway terminal and headed straight to the map, all the while feeling a bit uneasy as I walked. After locating it, I put my phone in my bag and waited for the right subway car to come. As I waited, the feeling of uneasiness came over me again. I looked up to my right and saw two tall, well-built men staring at me. They kept eyeing me up and down and giving me an up-to-no-good smile while laughing about God knows what to themselves. I don't know what they were looking at to make them act that way. A pair of skinny jeans, Doc Martens, and a cropped band t-shirt wasn't exactly what I would call a seductive or enticing outfit. So I faced forward and tried to pay them no mind. Don't give the prick the satisfaction, I told myself over and over again. But no matter what, the feeling crept up inside of me more and more as I felt my heart palpitating faster. When the car finally pulled up, I hurried on inside, looking for a seat that was around a crowd of people. It wasn't until I was seated and started to relax that I noticed the two men had boarded as well. Maybe they're headed in the same direction as me, I thought, while trying to calm my nerves. People have to get around this place somehow, and taking the subway isn't uncommon. But something about them still made me feel uneasy. To quell my nerves, I decided to move up to the next car. As I did, I glanced over my shoulder, and I saw the men following me. I darted my gaze forward, pretending I didn't see them. 
all the while willing myself to press onward. But I couldn't help it. I had to look back again. And boy, am I glad I did, because when I turned to look, I saw that the two men had gotten closer than before. This made me pick up my pace. My walk started to become a jog, and I could feel my heart racing as my bag began hitting my back harder while I pushed through the crowd of people. But they were still too close for comfort. I could feel the subway starting to slow down to a stop, and I was closing in on the door. Even though it wasn't my stop, I had to get off. I stood in front of the door confidently, and, like any action movie protagonist would, I looked them dead in the eye, and the moment the doors opened, I made a mad dash out the doors and into the terminal. I could hear them shouting, get her and don't let her escape. Their words stinging as I realized the gravity of my situation. I ran as fast as I could, not daring to stop, but I stole a glance to see if they were still behind me and sure enough, they were. My heart almost fell out of my chest as I realized how close they'd gotten. But in that moment, my adrenaline outweighed my fear and I kept running. I pushed past people, occasionally knocking them down and hearing them cursing at me, but I didn't care about being polite. No, not now. But every time I looked back, I could see that the men were still hot on my trail. Fuck, I cursed to myself. I have to lose them. I steeled my gaze forward and noticed that there was a staircase a few feet ahead. I sprinted faster and faster towards it. Now, most people would just run down them, but I'm not most people. And after watching some action movies on the plane, I thought it was wise to slide down the railing, like I was Keanu Reeves or something. It was working until my back pocket snagged on a jagged edge and I was sent toppling down the rest of the stairs. I had landed on my shoulder at the bottom and thought for sure I had dislocated it. The pain was excruciating but I could hear their footsteps and I knew I had no time to think about it any further. And adrenaline is a wonderful thing, so I stood up quickly and gripped my hand around my shoulder and hauled ass until I saw a flight of stairs that led out to the street. I skidded to a halt and dashed to the top of them. As if by fate, I ran directly into a police officer. I barreled into him, taking both of us to the ground. I didn't even get off him before I started to shout incoherently about what was happening. I kept trying to explain that two men had been chasing me, but when I looked back and pointed, they were gone. I'm not crazy, I shouted at him. They were right behind me. I repeatedly shouted this through labored breaths till the officer calmed me down. He escorted me to his police car and took me to the station, where I called my friend and had her meet me there. I gave them my statement and they released me, Lala and I took a trip to the ER, where I was thankful to hear I hadn't done any serious damage to my body, minus a few cuts and bruises. The doctors patched me up and sent me on my way. The whole ride back to her place, my mind was replaying the events. By the time we got there, I collapsed on the couch and thanked my lucky stars that I was still alive. Since then, I haven't ridden the subway. I would rather walk miles on end if it means avoiding my own action movie again. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. If you'd like to get your story on the show, you can find all submission options at disturbedpodcast.com. 
Share your thoughts on the show or your own experience through our hotline at disturbedpodcast.com slash hotline. Disturbed is an independent production funded through advertising and your support. And if you'd like to support the show, you can get early access to our premium feed featuring ad-free listening and bonus episodes. Visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast to learn more. And let's shout out our newest supporters. Giovanni Christopher, Foot Fungus, Eukonika Washington, Christy G, Ariana Kelly, Irene Case, Amber Nelson, Larissa LaRoque, and Justin Marks. They all get instant access to our catalog of bonus episodes, ad-free listening, and 24-hour early episode releases, and you can too. Patreon.com slash Disturbed Podcast. Music by Carl Casey at WhiteBatAudio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all. <laughs>